0: Women who rock. Women rock. Women who rock. rock. Women who rock. Women who rock. Women who rock.
1: This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I am joined by Sydney cinematic songwriter Indira. Elias, Indira, thanks so much for coming on to Women Who Rock.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: I would actually like to start by talking about cakes.
0: Oh, yes.
1: You were in France for a while mm-hmm. and you were doing, you were basically a pastry chef.
2: Yeah, I'm a trained pastry chef.
1: Did you do your training when you were in France?
2: Uh, yes, I did a degree there in pastry and I also did like a internship in Sydney, uh, in Melbourne actually. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, yes. so
1: how long were you doing pastry chefing in in France for in
2: France my degree was just over a year and with like an internship there as well and then I came back and did some pastry chefing here too right yeah. okay
1: man that's amazing yeah yeah it <laughs> so was wh- insane. when you were in France mm-hmm. and doing being a chef for your profession you going were you going to a lot of gigs as well
2: uh kind of I was going to open mics like three times a week.
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
2: and performing three times a week. Yeah, pretty much. Like you go and you play a couple of songs, so it's not like a full set. But I feel like that's where I—that was my training wheels.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. How do so now that you're back in Sydney? Mm. Uh, I guess you've been to open mics here as well. No, I,
0: I actually haven't. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was
1: going to ask about. they like different, maybe vibe. Mm. in the Fran- – was it in Paris? Yeah, you- it Yeah, was in okay. Paris, yeah. So how – I guess can you give us a bit of an insight into the world of singing at open mics in Paris? Oh,
2: my God. Well, uh, there's, like, some quite, quite good stories. The first one I went to was in the Latin Quarter and it was, like, in this underground cave oh in right. a jazz bar when, like, the walls were um, – Sandstone, And, like, if it rained too much, you would walk in and get a headache because it was just, like, damp. But it was cold. Oh, like
1: the, do- the walls were damp. Yeah, like right. it was
2: underground. It was so cool. And, and what I mean, type of
1: music do you have in that kind of establishment?
2: All kinds. All yeah. kinds of music. It's so beautiful. It's like everybody who comes to a space like that is looking for something. You know, somebody comes and they're looking for an audience or someone to listen or like a community or to find music, but everyone is searching and so it's like a communal space of finding. It's really, really beautiful.
1: Was everyone singing in French?
2: No. No. no, no
1: okay. No.
2: I mean, some people were. A mixture? A big mix, yeah.
1: Right. When The first time I went to Germany, I went to like a gym the first day I was there. Yeah. And I thought that everyone would speak English and it would be fine, yeah. but none of the staff could speak English. Yeah. So I had to struggle my way through my very poor German to try to tell them I want to go into the place. Mm. And then I went upstairs to the gym and all the music, it was like Oasis and Green Day.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: And that kind of blew my mind Mm. because the people who are working there all day are listening to that music, but they don't understand a word basically.
2: Totally. There were some instances where... Like, you could tell who could speak English and who couldn't, depending on how they would sing English songs. I mean, well, not all the time, but sometimes, like, people would pronounce words super well and you're like, okay, that's... Like oh, right. Okay. But then, like, you would have travellers that put accents on and it was a whole... So, I'd, I maybe that statement isn't valid, actually.
1: So, how was your French? Did um, you pick up French while you were there? Yeah, I
2: picked it up in in a year i could speak pretty fluently i haven't spoken it in a while now but okay
1: i'm not going to ask you that's <laughs> fine saying, oh my god <laughs> cuz i'm not, not going to know <laughs> I mean, anyway um, but were you yeah. working speaking in french
2: yeah i wasn't very good at the time and so it was kind of traumatic
1: but that's such a great traumatic trauma is not great <laughs>
2: it's look it's not but it was so stressful yeah. being yelled at for like why can't you roll a croissant properly but in french but in like french. i don't know i don't know what you want me to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you grow a thicker skin. That's what you do. But
1: Yeah, right. I guess it's a really, it's like a pressure cooker environment, but you would come out of it learning the language so much quicker.
2: Mm, definitely. Mm. That's And actually, so I was pretty good by the time I left, but then I came back to Australia. And then like my first trip back there, um, I spoke better French than when I left because I just had this like non-French speaking period where I just soaked Everything just like settled. Okay. and I could go back and just like not be afraid of speaking French. I don't know what it was.
1: right. But when you first went there, mm-hmm. could you speak any French at all? or
2: oh, like one, two, three, my name's Indira. Can oh, I have a croissant? wow <laughs> That's really brave. So
1: you went there to get a job in yeah. a job where you'd have to speak in French and you couldn't really. yeah,
2: I mean, I did pastry school in the beginning. It wasn't a job straight away. And the pastry school had like um English translators. okay. But it was like, I mean, it was pretty daunting. I was 19 when I went and that was like a whole new country, mm. whole new language. So, yeah, it was full on.
1: I know very little about pastry chefing.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I'm interested to know, so in the courses that you were doing, mm. the relationship between teaching about, I guess, like the mechanics, the technical side of what you need to do, but then obviously there's... A large aspect of creativity
0: Mm.
1: as well so when you're when you're studying it how is the balance between those two aspects
2: I mean it's mostly just practical skills like you find at most institutions you got to learn the basics first and then you can do creative stuff in your own time (laughs) Um, but like I guess it is a very creative um, and like intuitive process And if you don't have those skills, it maybe is a bit harder Mm. um, to just figure things like that out. But the school was, yeah, very traditional French pastry. Okay. Yeah, from like, oh, we had like croissant making and puff pastry making classes, macarons, and then like sugar pulling. Like, have you seen those sugar sculptures of ribbons? No. Oh, my God, it's crazy. Right. Yeah.
1: But I saw – so I've seen on your Instagram, though, you post mm. pictures of cakes. Yes. And it seems as though – I guess what I'm getting at, it seems as though it's kind of a creative outlet for you as well.
2: Definitely. It definitely is. But I, th- I think that's been something that I've been doing pre-pastry school. Like, making cakes has been a really, like, grounding um, space for me because that's what – yeah, my mom and my grandma –
1: taught me okay so you were kind of using it as creative outlet before you learned i guess the hard technical aspects mm-hmm. from a french pastry school yeah exactly okay cool yeah what about so when you are like either sitting down and you know today i'm going to make a cake that's a bit different and i'm going to take a different road or you're sitting down and you say like today i'm going to write a song mm-hmm. well, that's not necessarily how the process works but what are the differences between, I guess, those two mindsets that you get into? Mm. Or is there a link between those two mindsets?
2: Definitely a link. Okay. I, I feel like everything I do comes out of this, uh, comes out of the same place. As, because I feel like everything I do is creative, even if it's like, I, I don't know, maths or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, like, there's just this intuitive process that comes through with everything so it's like a imagination space, a creativity space, like a transcendent knowing kind of space. It sounds a bit crazy to talk about cake like that, but I feel like that's where it comes from. It's just like like feeling through the movements of how much to fold a batter before it deflates or like how long something needs in the oven or it's it's very strange, but they're the same.
1: So it's basically the same kind of yeah. Frame of mind.
2: And, I, like, I guess when you think about it, they're both um, the kind of creativity that you have to give the product to, uh, to other people at the end. Like, you don't have to, obviously, actually. but the You can eat it all yourself. You can <laughs> eat it all yourself, but it's <laughs> way less satisfying to eat a whole cake yourself when you feel a bit sad <laughs> if you do.
1: Maybe sick
2: <laughs> Yes, as well. Not normally quite sick, yeah. yeah. Um, and the same with music. Like, you just... You're fed by feeding other people with food and with music.
0: Mm. Mm. My, mind, my mind, doesn't sweat it I couldn't know a sweeter love if I'd met it But now I think what I miss had I left
1: So, you were there for about a year doing the. Mm-hmm. So, what was the, I guess, stimulus to come back to Australia?
2: Ooh. Um, well, there was visa. That was. Okay, sure. That's a very hard deadline. <laughs> but <laughs> then. Uh, um, oh, God. I, that was so long ago now. It feels kind of funny. I think that I did have the intention of moving back there under a different visa. But. I got into my degree and um, yeah, just thought that if I don't do it now, I I will never do it and I have to equip myself with education and like my mom says like fill your toolbox, mm. you know, with skills and I there were things that I needed to know. Okay. And yeah, I'm finally at the end. Of right? That. Can you tell us a bit about the degree that you're studying? Because <laughs> it's very degree. related to, to yes, music. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I started. Actually, came back to Australia for an anthropology philosophy degree. Oh, right. Yes, and okay, uh, like arts. And then I was like, oh, I'm just gonna take one music subject. Oh, I'm gonna take another. Oh my God, who am I kidding? I only want to be doing music. This is where I'm at. So I swapped over to the contemporary degree at the Con and have yeah, had a pretty good time.
1: We are go- and so I mean we're going to hear one of your new tracks very soon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, we were discussing off air about the title.
0: Yes,
1: and you mentioned the idea that the for that project, mm. a lot of the thoughts or inspiration were drawn on from Greek mythology. Yes, so we've been talking about different parts of Europe. <laughs> yes. What tell me about your affinity with Greek mythology?
2: Oh, I don't. Uh, I don't know. My mom brought us up on myths and legends and fairy tales and they're very like i don't know Im- embedded in our way of understanding the world um and even my dad's family is very like story narrative to teach lessons and things like that so any sort of mythology i'm pretty into and that one yeah that that this song is like based on the um nine uses of ancient greece and so i don't know I what what made me like that I don't yeah I don't I don't remember I just gravitated towards the the female energy the female creative energy
1: and that was kind of the genesis of the idea for this song
2: yeah so I had this concept of having a, a song or a piece for each of the nine users and they're all like poetic philosophies I guess that are behind different works And this one is the muse of um, Urania, the muse of Urania, the muse of uh, like astronomy and the stars, and like she can see the future in her cloak and uh, her cloak of stars and things like that, and just of like of love and like uh, meta perspective, and so this song is like me craving that, like needing that space.
1: Well, let's hear it. Okay. Uh, This is a new track from Indira Elias. It's called Beyond the Clouds.
0: on the path To those that beyond our minds, oh, come with me, far above the clouds and through the open sky.
1: That was a brand new track from Indira Elias called Beyond the Clouds. Hearing that track, it's really kind of I want to say ethereal Mm -hmm. I haven't seen one of your live shows before but how does that work in a kind of live band setting you're playing uh with a band
2: Mm -hmm. I play with my band Jarvis Morrow and Ziggy Blau who are amazing musicians and some um other incredible Oh, Olivia Warhol and Olivia Abbott on vocals and harp and stuff so we yeah and Jarvis on drums and Ziggy on keys and we just take our time and space and do what we got to do. Sure,
1: because <laughs> I, I was going to ask how much of the live show is sort of improvisational?
2: Um, some of it is. Some of it is. I do really like to sing the songs in the room, you know, like with the energy of the audience and like how I'm feeling. I like to like... Keep it real. (laughs) Okay.
1: I'm really looking forward to seeing you play. Yes. And I can also really understand, I mean, the way that I found about you was through Bonnie's songs. Yes. She's launching a single this weekend. Yes. And you're going to be playing on that?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: That's cool. That's at the Gaelic Club.
0: Yeah,
2: very excited for that. That's going to be really cool.
1: I can definitely see you being on the same bill.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've been going to Bonnie's shows for a while now, and she's so incredibly beautiful, so... I'm really looking forward to yeah it. looking forward to that yeah
1: and also in terms of so that's a very new song mm-hmm. can you tell us a bit about so you're working towards a body of work uh-huh. to be released
2: yes yeah so how's that going um it's going well it's really fun actually we are like kind of straddling the recording mixing process at the moment i mean I am. i am i'm pretty much doing it all myself at this point i think also collaborating with musicians and um, engineers, but mostly me. So it's really fun.
1: It's going to be an EP?
2: It's going to be an album. Oh, right. I'm just going straight to it. Just do it. Just – Why not? (laughs) Straight for
1: it. Just do it yourself.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: So have you been recording it largely – like what setting have you been recording it?
2: In my apartment. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's really um, – my whole thing is about just like – the like the intention and the energy that we're trying to put into recording. And I just haven't found a space outside of my own space that has helped like facilitated that. So, I mean, we're doing it all properly. I know how to do all that kind of stuff. So it's not like it's any lower sound quality. Mm. It's just like like really attention to detail and space and thinking about what I want out of each sound and moment.
1: How about capturing the... Because I am not an audio engineer. Mm. (laughs) But uh, capturing the percussion. Because I understand that it's really like... Each room has different modes or whatever. It's true. So how... Has that been an interesting involved process? (laughs) We just...
2: We use our ears. I'm just using my ears. Like whatever sounds good. And then I have my drummer who is a legend at just playing to space and sound so yeah we all just listen to it and then we're like oh this needs a bit more of this needs to be yeah
1: so what about the so the kind of mixing and mastering you're doing that as well
2: um at the moment yes okay but hopefully i will get more people on board for that
1: did you study doing that during your degree yeah yeah
2: there's parts in that but i like get a bit obsessed with things so i'm like google hard and then listen to a bunch of podcasts okay and then read a bunch of books and then ask a bunch of questions so mm.
1: okay yeah but maybe at some point you get to sort of get another set of ears to exactly. to help you out
2: exactly yeah this project is definitely about me learning and I don't mind hearing that I like the fact that in recordings you can hear the Um, It's like an artifact of the time, Mm, you know?
1: mm. Because you're recording a moment.
2: Yeah, exactly. I like that too. It's really nice. I love
1: like little quirks. Yeah. Little recording quirks. I love the idea that you're jumping straight into an album as well. (laughs) Because I think that it's sort of, it's good to capture that initial energy.
2: Mm. Yeah, and the songs on it don't exist by themselves like they're all part of a a time for me and i need them all together Mm. i can't do i mean i'll probably you know stagger release or something but they're all one body of work with one sound and i like starting to record it has been so like exciting and liberating because it's like evidence of my growth like Mm. i listen to early demos and then i listen to them now like when we first recorded, I was just sitting there listening, like crying, like, oh, my God, this is what I heard in my head and oh, I can wow. do it. It's so crazy. Really.
1: Yeah, that's a really beautiful thing that mm. you and yeah, I'm really glad to to know that you're doing an album and looking forward to that. So the plan is to to release it this year. Mm-hmm. But are you going to have some singles along the way as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, I don't I don't. I don't want to say dates yet. Okay, I'm not no, that's fine. Into Will, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, this is a bind contract. Oh my <laughs> god! Good
2: god! No, but I don't want to set that expectation just yet. But sure. hopefully this year.
1: Cool. It's time for the segment, Tell Me a Thing, where I have seven topics. And I'd like for you to choose just one and tell me something cool or interesting. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, punk rock, Patti Smith, poetry, death, and politics. Indira, can you please tell me a thing?
2: About poetry. Okay. I think that's where we're going to go. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. I started off making music by writing poetry. And I was super inspired by um, Emily Dickinson in high school. She was, like, my queen.
1: I love Emily Dickinson. Do you? Yeah.
2: She's amazing.
1: I just returned a book to the library oh. that was had, like, a story of her life.
2: Oh, my God, and I like need that book.
1: 190 of her poems. Oh. Tell me more about Emily
0: Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much.
2: Okay, so apparently she had this thing, like... I don't know this is very fringe but that's cool um she had a illness of sorts called pyroluria which is like a vitamin b deficiency or something but it makes you like not like sunshine and not like bright colors and not like people essentially and um so she wore all white for like a majority of her life and then so like i found this out at 16 and just spent like Maybe a year of my life wearing only white dresses. Really? Like, <laughs> white dresses. Because <laughs> you wanted to be like Emily Dickinson. Yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was. I don't know, maybe reincarnation or something. Oh, like yeah, this. maybe. Maybe. You <laughs> never know. No, and yeah, because I went to a school where we didn't have to wear uniforms, so literally every day in white dresses. For a dresses. whole year.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. That's cool, man. I wish I was listening, reading poetry when I was 16. Oh,
2: I so precocious, but I
1: love it. I was like locked in my room Uh, doing physics. Oh
2: God. (laughs) I mean, I I had a very
1: different experience. I was still doing chemistry,
2: but just in white dresses. Okay. (laughs) No,
1: that's fine. (laughs) And stay out of the sun. (laughs) Do you still read? So was that kind of your first poet that you sort of fell in love with?
2: Yeah, definitely. I definitely felt an affinity with the way she um, wrote. Like her... My letter to the world that never wrote to me, and like, um, what is it like? Like, be kind to my to my love letter to you, countrymen of or pe- world people. I just like, yeah, I really felt that. And things that she wrote about hope and nature, like her nature thing. Oh God, that's really mm,
1: nature. And I thought I was kind of reading that across it. There's a lot of imagery about the ocean mm. as well, and the yeah. ocean representing different things
0: yes
1: yeah
2: i haven't i haven't looked into that but i am going to go home and do that
1: yeah we should both go home and just read (laughs) read emily dickinson (laughs) i
2: i will she's yeah
1: yeah i think patty smith's my favorite poet but emily dickinson is definitely top three to five (laughs) yeah um Thank you so much for coming on the show and bringing up Emily Dickinson for the first time. This is a Woman Who Rock exclusive.
2: Wild, (laughs) I love it. It's
1: been great talking to you. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me.
2: is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do 107.3.